freedom 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 over fame freedom over cycle stays the same welcome first of all welcome this is unsolicited perspectives i am your host bruce anthony thank you for listening and watching wherever you get your podcast and video podcasts subscribe share like comment and rate us you can find us on instagram youtube and twitch at unsolicited underscore perspectives on twitter and tiktok at unsolicited underscore per watch us live every thursday night 7 30 p.m eastern on youtube and twitch our audience continues to grow with each and every episode and i humbly thank you on today's episode i'm going to be dilly daddling a little bit then I'm going to be talking about the shooting that happened in Jacksonville, Florida. And then we're going to be talking about men being gentlemen. But first things first. Hey there, podcast listeners. It's Bruce Anthony here. And welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately. The importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves. Whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness, or gearing up for festival seasons, or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year, there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration, Liquid IV. Speaking of health and wellness, let's dive into how Liquid IV can fuel your well-being. Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, <laughs> let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouth water and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C. It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest, but it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated, and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives. This first segment, I'm going to take us a little all over the place. My daily dallin is a little bit different than when me and my sister daily dallin because uh, supposedly I might have ADHD and I go all over the place. But there is a there is a method to my madness. There is. So I, I'll I'll get to the point by the end of the segment. Trust me. But just. Bear with me as I take you on a wild journey. But the first thing I want to do is, as always, promote our stuff. So, you know, we have a website, unsolicitedperspectives.com, where you'll find all our information, all of our video podcasts, all of our audio podcasts. I'm also writing blogs because I low-key think I'm a, I'm a writer. Um, so it's a way for me to get that that other part of the creative outlet out besides just talking. I can get back into writing. So I have blogs. We have blogs as well. Don't forget our store. We got merch. Once again, it's just a few shirts on there. But hey, 
hop on there, support us, buy a shirt, uh, buy a shirt for the whole family. And then our Patreon page is patreon.com backslash unsolicited perspectives, where you get guaranteed the after hours uncensored episode. That's the sibling happy hour uncensored. So people were asking me, is it the same show? Just not edited. And no, it's a completely new show, different topics. We film it right after we do the sibling happy hour. It's only available on our Patreon page. So if you really like the dynamic between me and my sister, which a lot of people do, because a lot of people love my sister. That was the reason why I asked her to be part of the part of this podcast, because she is entertaining. I think she has a lot of talent and she's freaking hilarious. So of course, uh, people are going to like her and our dynamic, uh, because I'm also freaking hilarious or maybe not freaking hilarious, hilarious. Uh, but nevertheless, after hours uncensored. And then my talk is straight ish. I'm not doing as many talk is straight ish episodes as I used to, because I've gone back to kind of doing these podcasts where it's just by myself. Cause I got things that I want to say, uh, without having to do interviews and then put the disclaimer on there saying, Hey, these are just my views, not the interviewer. There's a whole bunch of shows that I just had just kind of cut and get rid of. And I'm trying to piecemeal them together because there were topics that I talked about during the interviews that that they weren't a part of. And I don't know if they necessarily want to be connected to. So, but nevertheless, like I said, ADHD, nevertheless, there is, uh, there are a bunch of episodes of my talk is straight ish where I just let loose and I tell, uh, some uncensored stories about myself. Um, so definitely pay attention to that. Uh, and you can find all those links and everything once again on our website, unsolicitedperspectives.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're at 171 subscribers. That's pretty cool. Uh, Want to get to more subscribers. So subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you don't know what we look like, uh, you could get a chance to see what me and my sister look like and the guests as well. Uh, also on the unsolicited.com uh, on our website, we have a guest bio section where it gives a bios of of all our guests and if there was information that you that you wanted to get about our guests um from our, the interviews there in the bio section so you can click on wherever their social media is or their website links and things of that nature um what do i want to talk about today am i done promoting the whole show uh the whole podcast you know like i said subscribe to our youtube channel uh, share our YouTube clips. There are so, if you guys think that we post a lot of stuff on our Instagram, it's nowhere close to what we do on our YouTube. If you really like some of the little short reels that we do on our Instagram, click on YouTube because there is at least five to six times more shorts um, on our YouTube page as opposed to our Instagram reels. So go ahead and hop on that. And once again, if you got a Gmail account, you have a YouTube. That's all it is. Gmail and YouTube are connected. So if you're saying to yourself, I don't have a, a YouTube account, but if you have a Gmail account, how do you log into your YouTube? By using your Gmail account, because they're connected. Matter of fact, if you go on your laptop, desktop, whatever, and you log in to gmail.com on your computer, you pick the little settings tab and it has your Google Drive, Google Photos, and YouTube. They're all right there. You just click on that, take you straight to your own YouTube page and uh, leave comments and share. All that stuff uh, is good for help, help us promoting uh, our, our podcast. You know, donations and selling merch and signing up for the Patreon page helps fund uh, this podcast. Uh, we are getting closer and closer to 100 episodes of unsolicited perspectives. That's not including everything that's on our Patreon page. We're over a hundred now, as far as sh total shows under the unsolicited podcast network. But as far as specifically the unsolicited perspectives with Bruce Anthony, Anthony, this particular show, this is the 73rd. So we're getting close to a hundred. Still don't know what we got planned for our hundredth episode, but it's going to be something cool. I think hopefully. What do I want to talk about today? <sighs> well, so I said this first segment, this dilly-dallying was going to be all over the place. And trust me, there's an end point to what the point I'm trying to make. This past weekend or this week, uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, his real name is Wyndham Rotundo. He's a professional wrestler uh, for the WWE, passed away. Um, also who passed away last week was Terry Funk, a legendary uh, professional wrestler that had wrestled in all of the, the territories uh, back when they were territory days. And if you don't understand my fascination with wrestling, just never mind the fact that I 
owned a piece of a wrestling company in 2005, six, seven, around that area. It was called Zero Underground Wrestling. Uh, that's X-E-R-O Underground Wrestling. If you go on YouTube, you know, like when you subscribe and comment and like on our YouTube channel, if you go to the search and you just type in Zero Underground Wrestling, you can see a couple of our shows and you'll see me walking around, meandering around. Uh, you'll know it's me, not because you can see my face, but because I'm wearing a Superman shirt. Like, you know it's me. Um, I used to write the shows and help with the marketing and things of that nature. But wrestling holds a special place in my heart. I've been a wrestling fan. I was a little Hulkamaniac when Hulk Hogan was running wild. In the, when he first started to break big in 84, 85. Yes, I'm that old. Um, I was a wrestling fan. I had all the wrestling, man. And in some, at some point, you get older. I don't know when it hit me. It was probably like 12 or 13. Uh, 11, 12, 13, somewhere around there where you kind of get out of wrestling and then you kind of come back to wrestling because then like Stone Cold and The Rock and, and all these other very creative characters uh, started popping and uh, the NWO and DX. Wrestling was a release. I especially needed it during the time when my family moved from Lynchburg to D.C. Now I'm going to get personal. And tell y'all what what wrestling means to me. And once again, I have an overall arcing theme to this first segment. Just follow me. So that move for me was extremely, extremely difficult. Uh, I was 16 years old, just got my driver's license, uh, lived in Lynchburg, Virginia for like four years. Uh, longer than that, longer than that, four or five years. Um all I knew was being this small town country boy. Had done some traveling because I was playing basketball. Had done some traveling. But all I knew about was being a small town country boy. So I, I moved up here. It was just me and my father at first. The family wasn't splitting. It was we had to get me into a school because I, I was playing basketball and I was fairly good. And we had to get me into a school so I could start at the beginning of the year to kind of get the, get the lay of the land to, to make sure that I could play on this team where well, I chose a, a private school, uh, the math at Catholic university. That's a whole separate story, but it's a private school, all boys school. It was a shell shock coming for me. I was up here all by myself. Uh, my dad had just started a new job, so he wasn't really around all that much, not because he wasn't trying to be around because he had just started a new job and it was a career opening job for him. So he was working. So his company had put us up in this little furnished apartment. And if you know anything about the DC area, uh, my school, DeMatha, was in Prince George's County. So it's literally right outside of DC. It's in Hyattsville. It's five miles, not even from DC. But at the time I'm living in Montgomery County, they're both on the metro lines, but it's like literally going from one end of the line to the other end of the line. So all the friends that I met there didn't live anywhere close to me. And I didn't know anybody that lived close to me because I didn't grow up there. Um, so I was, I was very, very alone. And, and you know, it's 1996. I'm a young kid. I don't really know how to express that, that I'm alone. And... Uh, my grandfather was dying and then eventually died. My uh, cousin, who's like my big brother, went to jail, uh, separated from my mom, my brother and sisters, which I didn't think it would affect me because, you know, it was like, oh, who wants to hang around with their brothers, and sisters? But as you could tell from the sibling happy hours, I really, really have a strong love for my siblings. And so I'm going through this difficult time. On top of that, I'm at this prestigious school uh, to play basketball. And I'm not being outclassed at all. Uh, I'm not. Uh, but being away, um, not having really any friends and all that other surrounding stuff and not really knowing how to demonstrate, hey, I'm going through stuff to explain to my parents. Um, yeah, I wasn't happy playing basketball. That's also when I found out I like basketball. I didn't love basketball because I played on a team with two guys that went to the NBA and I didn't want to work as hard as them. Their life revolved around basketball. I still wanted to have, be around girls, have fun. Basketball wasn't my life. I just enjoyed playing, and I enjoyed the attention that it gave me. So during this time, that's when the NWO for WCW World Championship Wrestling was blowing up, and, and DX, the Generation X, was starting to get going in the WWF. And I was 
in wrestling, but I really got into wrestling because it was an escape. It was an escape for me to not have to deal with the anxiety and de depression. Yeah, it was depression because my grandfather passed away. It was the first time I dealt with death and he was, I've had a lot of role models throughout my life. And, and typically it's, it's people in my family. My grandparents were definitely role models, uh, being a history major learning where, you know, they came, came from and their struggles and to succeed raising these families. I really, really looked up to them. So, um, it was a loss there. And I had wrestling to give me that escape for a little while. Why do I bring all this up? I have a friend of mine who is going through therapy right now to deal with their anxiety on anxiety medication. And they're using, so they don't have the anxiety anymore, but they're using sex <laughs> with multiple partners to cope with that thing that's missing. So they're not wrapped up in their anxiety anymore. There's something that's missing. So they have to find something to replace it. And what, what better drug to replace that anxiety than dopamine from sex? And I was explaining to them that the reason why all of a sudden, as soon as you start this medication, you got off anxiety. The medication, the side effect isn't an increased libido, at least not that I know of. It's because you're having to deal with this void that you have and, and you want to fill that void, but what you're filling it with, I mean, she's, they are safe. They're being safe. They're being protective, but they're also damaging their psyche because they say it's just about sex in their mind. It's not just about sex, right? They're starting to like these people and they're starting to grow feelings. And that's a slippery slope because you're, those people are just filling a void that you have because something is missing. And I have a lot, I have a lot of female friends. I do platonic friends. It's not like I'm out here hustling and pimping. And, and that was me back in the day. I'm a different man at 43. I don't have the energy or the drive to, to, to be seeing multiple women at the same time. They're legitimately my platonic friends. And a lot of them come to me for advice on dating. Now I had uh, a friend of a friend say, I don't know why you go to Bruce for dating advice. He's single and had a failed marriage. But <laughs> last I checked, Bill Belichick wasn't a great NFL coach. I mean, it wasn't a great NFL player, but he's a great coach, right? Just because you are good at something doesn't mean that you aren't, can't become an expert at something. Am I an expert at dating? No, I'm an expert at waving your way through the dating nav uh, landscape as is currently presented in today's society. You follow me on this one? Okay. And I have a bunch of my female friends who were consistently having these problems with dating about guys that they, they get really excited about and then something goes left and then either they stop being interested in the guy or the guy stops being interested in them and each and every time. And in each and every case, I tell them, why don't you try being alone for a little while? Because it seems like you're going through something and you're using that to fill the void. And they don't ever listen to me. Everybody always says the advice I give, you're right, you're right, you're right, I should listen to you, but they don't ever listen. And it all goes back to people being, so the main point of this entire segment, I'm telling you, I told you I was going to get there. I had to give you examples. Was Are people being content and happy with themselves? That's a tough thing to get to with age and grace of understanding that I don't have all the answers and to seek help and to get answers. I, I know I'm a better person now than I was 10 years ago. I know I'm a, a much better person than I was 20 years ago. I'm constantly trying to grow. But one thing that I won't do is if I feel lonely or whatever is bring somebody into that world when I'm not mentally adjusted. I'm not going to use other people as a coping mechanism. So sometimes you got to find creative outlets. And one of those creative outlets for me was professional wrestling, right? Professional wrestling, let my imagination run wild because professional wrestling is storytelling. It's men, it's men, my, my, my brother says, it's just men in tights, soap opera. And it is, right? It's a men in tights, soap opera. It's a story. Each and every week, it's episodic. 
each and every week is telling a story. So my imagination would run wild trying to figure out what's going on the next week. It's just like your favorite TV show when it leaves you on a cliffhanger and you're like, oh, wow, I wonder what's going to happen in this next episode. You start running through scenarios. That was to me, it was using my mind. It was using my imagination. That was a better coping mechanism than, let's say, going out and drinking. Because remember, I'm 16, right? I could go out and wild out. I could go out and wild out, but I just decided that uh, my imagination was going to run wild and not. That's the the direction that I was going to go in. And I'm happy that I went in that direction. But I'm also a person that's constantly evolving and trying to find out where my blind spots and my flaws are so I can become a better person that I, so that I'm not using other people to fill a void that I have. So the whole point of this segment in that long winded way, which in, in which I gave you a personal story and opened up a little bit, which I often don't do, um, was to say everybody goes through a tough time. Let's try to acknowledge the fact that we're going to the tough time and let's try to get some help. But most importantly, let's not be so selfish and self-centered to introduce somebody into our lives when we are going through something. Deal with it. If you have friends, that's completely different. I'm talking about on a romantic level. Don't bring people into your life when you've got other things surrounding you that you're dealing with. Because all you're going to do is hurt them and in turn, hurt yourself. All right, that's enough of me pontificating and preaching. That's enough of this daily dialing. We're going to get to some real stuff next. I don't even know. Excuse the long pause. You know, I I don't even know how I'm going to. I don't know where my words are going to take me on this next segment. I don't know where my words are going to take me. I don't know if it's going to come out as hurt or angry. I'm just going to let it fly. And y'all take it and receive it how you take it and receive it. But I'm going to be unfiltered, raw and real with whatever emotion I have. Uh, in response to this story. So on Saturday, August 26, 2023, a a tragic incident unfolded at a Dollar General store in Jacksonville, Florida. A young white man in his 20s named Ryan Christopher Palmeter, hailing from Clay County, carried out a hate-filled shooting that claimed the lives of three innocent Black individuals. The perpetrator traveled from Clay County to Jacksonville armed with both an AR-style rifle and a Glock handgun, both of which were disturbingly marked with swastikas. The attack occurred at the Dollar General store on Kings Road and Canal Street. Sheriff T.K. Waters, addressing a news conference, claimed that this was racially motivated shooting. He stated that the shooter had deep-seated hatred towards Black people and expressed a desire to kill them. Uh, After the shooting spree, uh, the gunman took his own life. The gunman left behind messages intended for his parents, the media, the federal law enforcement and federal law enforcement officials. In these messages, he detailed his extreme racial hatred, outlining a disturbing ideology of hate. Uh, The sheriff Waters described these manifestos as a diary of a madman and highlighted that they laid bare the shooter's abhorrent ideology of hate. So here's a timeline. The shooter left Clay County at 1139 a.m. and traveled to Jacksonville. At 1.18 p.m., he texted his father, prompting him to check his computer. By 1.53 p.m., the shooter's family had already contacted Clay County Sheriff's Office, but tragically, the shooting had already commenced at the uh, Dollar General store. The victims are Angela Michelle Carr, 52. She was fatally shot in her vehicle outside the store. Alt Joseph, or AJ, he was 19, an employee of the store, was shot while attempting to flee. And Gerald Gillian, 29, a store customer, was shot while entering the store. He was with his girlfriend, but she managed to escape the attack. The most important thing about all of this, well, no, the most important thing about all of this are their lives lost. If there is any bright spot to this, it could have been way worse. Because before the shooting at the Dollar General store in Jacksonville, Florida, the shooter went to Edward Walters University, a historically black college in Jacksonville. He was turned away after refusing to identify himself to the campus security officer. Authorities said that he left behind several manifestos from the media. Okay, so he left behind 
all that manifestos and media for people to understand how much he hated. But he he went to a historically black college. They said when he was turned away, people saw him putting on, a, you know, tactical gear and stuff like that. And then that's when he went to the dollar store. Uh, his purpose, he was going to kill some black folks. Um, and like I said, it could have been way worse. He could have not the security at the at the university could have not been alerted. And he could have just let loose on a historically black university at the first week of the school year. What are my feelings about this? It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't. You know, when I when I get on Republicans, and not all are Republicans, not all Republicans, excuse me, not all Republicans, but certain Republicans who espouse hatred. This is what I'm this is what I fear. I fear they don't think their words matter. They don't think their words have an influence over people. I don't know how stupid they think they are. Obviously, they have an influence over people because they influence people to elect them. So why would you think your words matter in certain situations and your words don't matter in another situation? More specifically in this particular instance, because I could go all the way to the top and talk about Trump, how he came down that escalator and announced that he was running from president and immediately started attacking Mexican people, calling them murderers and rapists. That right there showed you who he was, but people still voted for him. And 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 I'm going to go all over the place because my emotions are raw. But when you aren't anti-racism, you're supporting racism. It's not enough for you to say, well, I have some black people in my family. No, or my friends are black or, or Asian or Jewish or Latino. No, you have to be anti racist. That's how you have to live. If you're anti-racist, then people like Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and Ron DeSantis wouldn't be elected to office. Now, I said I was only going to go on one person because it's happened in the state of Florida. And I'm getting on Ron DeSantis because there has been a pattern of actions that have led to this. This anti-woke thing, which is anti-blackness, let it not be confused by anything other than that. When people talk about woke or being anti-woke, they mean blackness. They mean being anti-blackness. Now, of course, people are going to try to disguise it. That's not what they mean. You can't explain to me what the ideology of woke is. You can't explain to me the history of what woke is. You can't. What you're doing is, is it's been co-opted by conservatives to mean something for you. And that for you, and I'm specifically talking to white people out here, what these conservatives have done with the word woke is weaponize it. And they've made it seem like it's you against them. He's taken away diversity and equity training in the entire state. Never mind the fact that the, that he's ripped away African-American AP history courses and are and trying to change the teachings of history, specifically African-American history in the state of Florida by saying there was some good in slavery because they learned slaves learned stuff that benefited them later, which is all bullshit. It, it is all bullshit. It's a way to placate your hatred. I mean, make it seem like it's not so bad when in essence it's hatred. And when you say to a bunch of people out there that look like you, and I'm speaking specifically to Ron DeSantis and white people, when Ron DeSantis speaks to white people and he says, you're important, you look like me, this is what matters. We shouldn't be made to feel guilty. Doesn't matter how they feel. We're important here. We shouldn't be made to feel guilty. So we're not going to teach the truth. We're not going to teach the history. Because I don't want to acknowledge that. What you're doing when you do that is you're minimalizing black lives. So when BLM says black lives matter, this is what they're talking about. You are minimizing the black experience, the black present, and you're jeopardizing the black future with this anti-wokeness. And here's a prime example of it. Because your rhetoric breeds people like this. 
Fox News rhetoric breeds people like this. The sensationalism, the great black myth that black people are going to come and take everything that you own, rape your women and 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 steal your land and change your whole way of life. Because black people are the big enemy. Well, black and Jewish people by these white supremacist ideologies, Jewish people and black people and Latino people, everybody that's different is a great enemy. When fact of the matter is black people are the most accepting people in this country. Think about it all, for all my white listeners out there. Have you ever been in a black space? What do I mean by that? Have you ever been in a space where the majority of the people are black and you're a minority? If you have, I'd be curious for you to tell me about your experience. Because I can tell you most of the experiences would be just like Dylan Ruth was accepted in that black church before he gunned those people down. There's no hatred for no reason from black people. Let me clarify. If black people hate white people, it's because of the treatment black people have received from white people. If white people hate black people, maybe they had a bad experience. Maybe there was a crime committed to them. Rare, because most crime committed against white people are from white people. Statistics, plain and simple, that's what it is. This great black crime that white people are so afraid of, it doesn't happen to white people. Okay, so that is what it is. But if white people hate black people, it's because they've been taught to hate black people. And that hate stems from fear because they've been taught to fear black people. And it's all been a long con job that rich white people have pushed out to maintain wealth. If they try to marginalize other groups, they placate white people that don't have that much money. Poor white people who oftentimes vote against their best interests. The people, the majority of people that's on welfare, poor white people. The majority of people that's using Medicaid, white people. This idea that black and brown people are using up all the government's money on these social programs is just not true. But that's the information that you've been fed. And then it breeds people like this shooter down in Jacksonville, like the Dylan Roofs of the world. When the last time I checked, when was the last time black people took over a town? Hasn't happened. There hasn't been any, uh, let, me, let me think of a, of a white town. There hasn't been, what's that rich white town in New York where people go and, let me not do that, let me stay in DC. There hasn't been any Potomac massacres. Well, there probably was with uh, Native Americans massacred, but not the Potomac is a rich area here in the D.C. Uh, area. There hasn't been any Potomac massacres where black people stormed in and 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 took the land and killed people, and murdered people. That, that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about hatred that's been pushed by politicians and media to keep everybody fearful of the great black myth that just doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. Let me ask you better yet. When's the last time, uh, how, how often do black people go and do mass shootings? And if they do do mass shootings, how often is it them going and directly targeting white people? I'll wait. I'll wait. No, it's typically white people mass shooting a, a different marginalized group, whether it's black people or Jewish people or gay people or Latino people. That's typically what it is. And where are they getting this from? They're getting this from the media and the politicians who are telling them that people are invading and taking what's theirs when that isn't the case. When's the last time something was taken from you? I'll never forget. I'll never forget. And I'm throwing him under the bus right now. If he pays attention, I'm not going to say his name, but I'm throwing him under the bus right now. I'll never forget. I had a high school basketball coach my freshman and sophomore year in basketball. 
I greatly respected him as a basketball coach. I respect people who are smarter than me. And when it came to basketball, he was so much smarter than me. And I learned so much about basketball. That doesn't tell you who he is as a man. I remember when I left Lynchburg and I moved up here, I would still go back to Lynchburg from time to time to go visit my friends because I had friends down there. And I remember this basketball coach being passed over for a job that went to another black basketball coach uh, for the school. And he was like, yeah, I got passed over because of affirmative action. And I was like, well, actually, like, doesn't he have his master's? And wasn't he going to school for school administration? So, of course, like he would have, what's your background? You have a bachelor's degree and you, you're a gym teacher. Like he's actually teaching classes and is part of the getting is trying to get into the administrative aspect of school. No, you didn't get passed over. You just weren't as qualified as he was, but he didn't see it that way. I lost a ton of amount of respect for him in that moment. Uh, and, and if you think that that, that I'm just being uh, judgmental because I'm black and I felt offended in that moment. Let me give you another example of who he was uh, that tells you the type of person he was. My best friend who was still in Lynchburg told me I had a bunch of college basketball recruiting letters that was being sent from the colleges to the school because they knew that I played there and, and they weren't sending them to my house. You're supposed to send them to school or house, whatever. I had a bunch of college recruiting letters that went to the school that he said, my best friend said, yeah, I saw him on coach's desk. And I was like, well, coach knows that me and you are still friends. Coach knows if he wanted to get those to me, like my family, my mom and my brother and sister had to move back up. He knew where I lived. He could have dropped them off at the mailbox. He could have contacted me to get that information to me or to get those letters to me. He never did. So one time when I was coming down to visit my friend, I went to the school and I went to go talk to the coach, say, hey, how you doing? And blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I heard you got some letters for me. Oh, yeah, I, I'll get those to you. You'll get them to me. This is my life we're talking about. Why wouldn't you get those to me? So this is the type of man that he is. He's a principal now. He's a principal now. And I knew he had the same type of ideology because when that whole LSU Iowa basketball game happened and the girl did this, you can't see me. He immediately attacked the black basketball player, but did not at once attack the white basketball player who had done the game previously. This is who he is. This was the person that was in the administration. Now I went off on a tangent. I'm going to bring her back to <laughs> the point of that was so often because of propaganda that's been spewed by conservative news organizations or conservative columnists or conservative politicians have been, these people are going to take away for you. And it breeds hatred and anger because of fear. And then you have incidences like this where there's a shooting. And thank God he didn't get on that college campus because he was loaded up with an AR-style long gun and a Glock. He was going to do damage. He said that in his manifestos. He was going to kill black folks because he hated black folks. And I know as an investigation goes on, they say he wasn't part of a group, but I'm sure there's a connection to a group. I'm sure when they search through his social media and his, and his YouTube pages, there are going to be loads and loads of him following people, listening to people who are straight up lying to him. White people, if you're out there listening to me, we are not going to hurt you. Can there be random acts of violence? Yes. Can sometimes those perpetrators be black? Yes. But does that mean that there's a black crime wave? No. If you're a white person, you're a light, lot more likely to be raped, killed, robbed by a white person. Plain and simple. That's the truth. That's statistics. That's FBI statistics. If you if you want to if you want to have some facts at all. And not this not this conservative playing with numbers, which make it seem like with graphs that there are more black on white crime than there is white on white crime. It's just not true. We're not coming for your jobs. 
We just want an equal opportunity at the jobs that y'all have historically dominated because of legacies or just straight up discrimination. But yeah, no, the policies that, that people are doing right now, this is breeding the type of hatred and anger that you're going to get and you're going to see situations like this. We've been seeing situations like this. This is nothing new. And a lot of those politicians, Ron DeSantis out there, thoughts and prayers and all that stuff. Forget your thoughts and prayers. Stop doing these actions. Stop speaking this rhetoric that gets people to act and respond this way. You don't see black anger like this, like you see white anger. Our black anger comes from just not being treated fairly. It's not an illusion that something is being taken from us. Or the idea that we're being given free stuff that nobody else is getting. This idea that the welfare system benefits black people when there are more white people on the welfare system than black people, it benefits the whole country. All of these social programs benefit the entire country. So when you got the Moms of Liberty out there trying to strip away American history because they don't want to feel guilty, disregarding how other people feel because they're showing only lives that matter are white lives. That's the reason why we say black lives matter. Because they should, damn it. And stop talking to me about, you know, I wish that we could talk. We've been telling y'all this for centuries. And instead of acknowledging it, you feel guilty. And you don't want to deal with it. So we're going to have more instances in this, like this, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Until, God forbid, we respond back. And, and trust me, you don't want us to rise up and get angry. Like, that's not what you want. <laughs> and this fear, we've held such restraint. Such restraint. When, when, have we, when have we buck wild? First of all, don't bring up Black Lives Matter. Because a lot of situations where things got out of hand, it's already been documented by the FBI. They were either escalated, tensions escalated by police brutality and force during those protests or conservative agitators destroying stuff. Where there's some random people destroying stuff, sure. But that wasn't the main cause of Black Lives Matter. And, and when do we always protest? When something bad happens. When you kill Malcolm X, when you kill Mega Evers, when you kill Martin Luther King, when you beat Rodney King like a dog in the streets, when you choke out uh, George Floyd and, and to his death right there in the middle of the road. Yeah, we're going to get pissed about that and rise up. You don't ever see us rising up just because our team won a football game or basketball game or a championship of some kind. Those aren't protests. Those are riots. When we've had enough, we rise up. And even then, it's marches and protests. There's been a few riots, LA riots. There was a riot here in DC. Most of the time we tear up our own shit. We have never gone into any rich and fluent areas and 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 looted. Because we know we'd be shot on sight. Much like the Capitol rioters. If they had been black, shot on sight. Trust me on that one. I was out there in DC when uh when when former President Trump unleashed quote unquote, the dogs out on those people that was marching, just marching. Yeah, they've consistently shown, the leaders of this country have consistently shown that they don't believe that black lives matter. And when they consistently show that they don't believe black lives matter, you have people going up into a college and when they can't get into college, they're just going to attack the local Dollar General store to shoot and kill black people. My heart goes out to the families that lost loved ones. My heart goes out to the people of that city of Jacksonville. To those people that are now scared on that campus. And I implore politicians and conservative outlets to stop using this propaganda. Because that's what it is. It's not news.
It's not facts. It's propaganda. Dangerous propaganda. All right. I had to calm down a little bit. Let's get into something that's interesting, and I'm sure I'll find a humor in it somewhere, but it's, it's continuing on with this theme of the episode today, and you'll understand it as I dig into it. So uh, I was on TikTok, and this came across my timeline. It's uh, the page is It's Stay. It's Tay Tay Bebe. Um, that's her username. And the basic premise of the video was uh, this woman was showing, was recording uh, her boyfriend changing strangers' tires. So her boyfriend recognized that two women were by themselves and uh, they had a flat tire. So he went over there to help them change their tire. And there was some responses on this woman's post from women that were uncomfortable with their men being randomly helping women. So this is um, it's Tete Baby's response to that video. There's a lot of women who have been cheated on, a lot of women who have bad encounters with men, and I totally understand that. But there's so many women in the comment section who are insecure about this. I feel as though if you're going to get with a man who's a gentleman and a sweetheart, you have to understand it doesn't just stop there with you. He's going to hold the door open for other women. He's going to help grandmas when they need it. He's going to go out of his way to help people in general because he's a good man, a gentleman. That's what they do. So if you can't handle a good man and your insecurities are flourishing, I think you need to stay alone until you fix that. Just because somebody's a helpful person or a gentleman doesn't mean they're cheating, doesn't mean they have cheating tendencies. You have to learn people's mannerisms and get to know them. Another thing. I also think that a lot of women need to work on their inner issues because if you're changing somebody for who they are, you're not really loving them for them. This is the reason why good men do exist. You have to let them be. What are we going to do in this world if there's no good men? We need that. Let them exist, you guys. Okay, so (laughs) uh, my response to that, you know, me and my sister go back and forth because there's a lot of men out there mansplaining and uh, toxic masculine men who are telling women, you know, what they should and should not do. And, 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 you know, I, I don't like to be one of those men that tell women what they should and should not do, even though all my female friends constantly come to me and ask me for advice. So I do tell them what they should and should not do, but that's because they're soliciting my perspective. My perspective is not unsolicited. Um, but I completely agree with everything that she's saying, but not solely about men, but about people in general. So going back to the original segment, and I talked about coping with the void, uh, which is what I should name this title, Coping with the Void. Uh, Name this podcast episode, Coping with the Void. A lot of people don't want to be alone. So they will meet somebody and get involved with them just because they don't want to be alone. And then they'll try to change them to fit the mold of which they like, which means they didn't really like the person in, in the first place. They had they had this idea they had of what they want, and they want to mold somebody into that idea. You hear this oftentimes. Women will secretly say, well, I was trying to change him. To, to, I'm like, no, you don't try and change somebody. You accept them for the reality of who they are and not the perception of what you want them to be or the perception of what you think they could be, except them for the reality of what they are. I would consider myself a gentleman now. Now I was talking to a friend earlier today and they were like, you are a gentleman. You are a nice guy. I said, I'm that now. 20 years ago, I was not that. 10 years ago, yeah, 10 years ago, I started being that. It happened about 10 years ago. But let's say 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I was the opposite of that. I was that toxic male. I held on to those toxic traits uh, of masculinity and, and I was miserable, right? I was miserable. And Like the idea that women would want somebody to be a gentleman to them, but not a gentleman all the time doesn't make sense to me. If I see somebody who needs help, I'm going to offer them help. You know, a lot of my people close to me say I don't set boundaries and they're right. People invade my boundaries all the time. But genuinely, like I, I have a good feeling when I help people. 
it's not completely selfless acts there. You know, I get in debate with my dad all the time about selfless, selfless acts. I don't truly believe there are selfless acts. I believe that, uh, there's not a hidden motive, but like you do things for other people because it also makes you feel good. If it made, if you, if you did something good for somebody else, but it made you be, it made you feel horrible. Would you still do it? I would think depending on a certain situation, I think I would, I think I have done something for other people when it made me feel horrible. So I think that I would, and I have, but you had to accept people for who they are and not trying to change them to fit what you want them to be. Uh, I know that for instance, cause I've had that happen. My best friend is a female and she's not an ugly female. She's an attractive female. And a lot of times people can't understand how two attractive people that are the opposite sex that are both heterosexual can't be like wouldn't want to date each other. And we are just legitimately platonic friends. Uh, she's the person who I tell almost everything to. Like she gets about 90, 85 to 90% of what's going on with me. Like she gets it. And is the only person that, that gets that stuff. I trust her with my vulnerability. That's the reason why we're friends. But some women that I've dated have had issues. Some women who are securing themselves don't have any issue with it. They've met her. They love her. Those insecure women. And that's what uh, it's Tay Tay Bebe <laughs> was talking about are insecure people. Insecure people try to change other people. And the reason why they try to do that is to fill a void. They're not happy with themselves. So they need some type of control and that control could be inflicted upon another person. You see this so many times with guys trying to control women, right? Like I, the, one of the last girls I dated, I remember it was on our second, second date and she wore a dress, but essentially I know this word isn't still PC, but I don't know how else to describe it. It's called an A t-shirt, but we all recognize it commonly referred to as a wife beater. I was like, this ain't nothing but an extended wife beater. She looked good. She looked real good. And so I didn't think nothing of it, right? Like that's what she was wearing. It was like our second date or whatever. Once we got together and we were in a relationship, if she wanted to wear that out again, I'd have been like, do you boo-boo? Like that, that's who she was when I met her. Like, so why would I try and change her just because I'm with her? And I wouldn't want to change her. That's not who I am, right? Like I, I want you to be comfortable around me. I want you, I want you to feel free when you around me. I'm letting her do her and turn. She doing me on the friends with a phone. Like, how cool is he? That's an old Jay-Z line. But yeah, no, I like do do you. If I can't deal with it or if it's something that I don't like, I don't need to be in that situation, but I'm not gonna change who you are to fit some perception of what I think that I want when half the time people get what they want and realize, oh, this isn't what I want. Right. So like, stop trying to change people and accept people for who they are. Uh, I don't ever want to change anybody. And if anybody ever tries to change me, it's not going to happen. Like I said, my, my best friend is a female. If any woman comes to me and it was like, it's either me or her. I'm like, it's her every time because anybody who truly cares for me wouldn't ask me to choose between them and my friend. Now, if my friend was doing something that would be detrimental to me, like maybe we were drug addicts. We're not, but let's say we are hypothetically speaking. Let's say we have destructive habits that we do together. And our only destructive habit is we're tequila twins. We drink tequila, not in excessive. We don't do anything stupid, but that's our thing. But let's say if we replaced it and it was heroin, right? And I'm trying to kick heroin and my bestie is still trying to push heroin on me, then that's a different situation. Then that woman that I'm dating could tell me it's either the girlfriend or my bestie because she's actually looking out for my best interest. But just in a situation where I'm uncomfortable with y'all's relationship and I don't want you to be friends with her, nah, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because that's my homie. That's my road dog. She's been with me from, from, from I don't know, 15 years. She's been with me. Like, I'm not kicking that aside for you because you're uncomfortable and you're not secure in yourself. I've told you I'm a faithful person. Until I show you otherwise, you've got nothing to question. So why are you questioning it? Because you're insecure. So I thought that was interesting what, uh, what she brought up. 
Uh, because a lot of people out there just like really insecure. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that I am the super secure person that doesn't have insecurities. Everybody has insecurities. Everybody. I try to not make my insecurities. I try to not make my insecurities a relationship's problem. I try to deal with my insecurities on my own. And luckily I know who to talk to about my insecurities. The reason with me to, to, Certain people in my life know how to talk to me when I'm anxious or when I'm insecure about whatever. They know what to say to me to center me and and make things logical so that I can deal with it in my head. Because a lot of times, like with anybody, when you're going through anxiety or something like that uh, or insecurities, uh, you'll get wrapped up in your own head. So I have people that center me um, and and I trust their counsel. So if I get boxed in mentally in my own head, I'll go and reach out to them. Everybody needs to have that. I don't know why, but people wouldn't have that. People need people to talk to. You can't just be closed off and be by yourself. But that th- this whole show was about people not dealing with issues within themselves. That young man that went up and shot those three black people in a Dollar General store, I'm not excusing anything that he did. So let that, let me make that completely clear. I'm not. He was devoid of something and he latched on to hatred and racism to fill that void, to cope. Some people latch on to other people to cope. Some people latch on to things and activities to cope. Recognize what your triggers are, recognize what your coping mechanisms are, and just make sure that they're healthy. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought I would have had something funny in this, but I didn't. This wasn't the, that funny of a show. Uh, I, I guess I would end up on a story, but I ain't got really anything to say um, as far as something funny. You know, I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in one of those modes where it's some stuff, you know, what happened has really got me in my feels. I'm not fearful, probably because I have this ridiculous complex that something bad won't happen to me. I don't know why I had this complex. It's absolutely delusional. But, you know, I'm not I don't I don't live in fear. So, I'm not in fear of not going to stores and things of that nature. Even when we had the DC sniper, there was a little bit of fear, but not that much fear. So, I'm delusional. So, it's not fear for me. And I know how to address my fear to make sure it doesn't manifest itself into something else because it has happened to me in my past. But, you know, you, you work on yourself, you get better and you try to improve upon yourself to make sure those things don't happen. So this wasn't fear. This today this is anger. I'm angry. So I ain't got a whole bunch of jokes. I'm angry because, you know, last week we're talking about uh, Arkansas getting rid of the, the abortion, basically. Right. And then a week before that, we talk about, uh, no, it wasn't Arkansas. Arkansas got rid of the African-American. No, Arkansas was two for two, if I remember correctly. They got rid of the uh, African-American studies AP course and they were getting rid of abortion. Right. It's two for two for Arkansas. Arkansas. Florida has been consistently getting rid of uh, African-American history and diversity and, and equity training. And I'm like, don't you want everybody to be equal? Like that's equity means equal. Like <laughs> well, equality means equal. but what the DVI, DV, DIV is, is the same thing. Um, just trying to make things equal playing field. And I don't understand why people feel like it's taken away from them. And, you know, as far as this, now I'm rambling. <laughs> I might, I might edit all of this out of the show or I might leave it in. Who knows? I might leave it in. Uh, this is, this is literally how my mind works, guys. I, I go all over the place. There was a short outline of the show, but really not really. Really, not really. I didn't know where my where my heart and my mind was going to take me. Uh, but this is where it took me. I don't regret it because I feel like if you listen to what I had to say, it all made sense. <laughs> it all made sense. Dealing with the, the void that you have within yourself, the way you cope with it, make sure that when you do, that you're coping with it with something healthy and productive and not negative and destructive. And that is the lesson for today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And on that note, I want to thank you once again for watching and listening to the podcast. I promise 
uh, in the sibling happy hour, there will be more jokes. Uh, but every now and then, in my long-winded way, I have to do a lesson plan because at the heart of me is an educator and a teacher. And I feel like that there are some people that can hear my perspective, n- not know that this perspective existed and learn from it. And so if I had a few people and they learn from it, then I've done my job. And that's all I can ask for. And that swells swells my heart with just good vibes and good energy. But on that note, thank you for watching and listening. Once again, get all that information on our podcast, unsolicitedperspectives.com. Subscribe, share, like, comment, leave a review, donate, buy t-shirts, log on to our Patreon page, all that good stuff. Until next time, as always, I'll holla. Thank you for listening to Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Please subscribe, like, comment, share, and donate. Donations help us keep giving you this free content each and every week. Until next time, Audi 5000. Peace.